the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, March the 15th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On March 15th, 44 B.C., Roman dictator Julius Caesar was assassinated by a group of nobles that included Brutus and Cassius. There's a lot to that story. One thing that comes to mind is that someone who was loyal to Julius Caesar handed him a note and said, they're waiting for you in the assembly hall. When you go in, they're going to try to kill you. He took the note, stuck it in his pocket. He didn't read it. He thought, I'll read this after the session. Probably should have read it before the session, but they killed him. They assassinated him with knives. It's a horrible story, but, I mean, there's a lot to be learned from it. Today in 1820, Maine became the 23rd state. Today in 1917, Tsar Nicholas II abdicated in favor of his brother, Grand Duke Mikhail Alexandrovich, who declined the crown. That marked the end of the imperial rule in Russia. 1917 is also associated with the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. Today in 1919, members of the American Expeditionary Force from World War I convened in Paris for a three-day meeting. The meeting was to found what we know as the American Legion. Today in 1919. Today in 1934, Henry Ford restored a five-day away a day five dollars a day wage. Today in 1955, the U.S. Air Force unveiled the first self-guided missile. Today in 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson, addressing a joint session of Congress, he called for new legislation to guarantee every American's right to vote. The result was the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And today in 2019, a gunman killed 51 people at two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. And he was streaming the massacre live on Facebook. And they didn't even shut it off. There's evil in the world, but there is also goodness in the world. Interestingly enough, just a few moments ago, I mean, we originated at 9 o'clock Pacific time, as you know, live, and then some of you hear it, this program a little bit delayed, but uh, just a few moments ago, like 10 minutes ago, just before I came on the air, Bloomberg uh, News Service, and they're usually pretty, I don't agree with their interpretation of the news, but they're usually pretty accurate in the stuff that they put out there. And they're a big deal. I mean, they're big. They have a, a wide readership across, in fact, all over the world. But they just put out this this note here. I mean, it was kind of a, a little stinger that they put out on the Internet. It says, Russia has announced sanctions on U.S. President Joe Biden and a slew of officials 
in his administration. I don't know any more than that because I didn't have time to look into it before I said hello to you a, a moment ago. But that's very interesting. I, it may be much to do about nothing. I'm not sure. I don't know how much uh, power Russia has over Joe Biden right now as far as sanctions are concerned. Unless, of course, could that mean Hunter as well? I mean, he's probably getting money from Russia and China and Ukraine. And I'm not being flippant about it. I mean, he really does collect a lot of money from those people. I don't know what this is about. But anyway, that came, that was on the Internet. And I'm sure there will be more about it if it has any substance to it. But Russia announced sanctions on U.S. President Joe Biden. Maybe Joe has a lot of money invested in Russian banks. He does things sometimes that has no rationale, and that would be one of them, I suspect. Hey, I want to thank you for your support. It means a lot to me personally. It's encouraging. But even more than that, it allows us to be on every day and um, turn on our microphone and talk about what's happening in our world from a biblical perspective. This uh, person, as they made a contribution, said, uh, Thank you, Gary, for your show. I listen on 820 KGNW, Seattle. May my donation help with the cost of your broadcast, and may many become thirsty for and find Jesus as a result. That is our bottom line primary commitment. I've spent my life, and as some of you know, I am over 40, and I've spent my life sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to anybody and everybody that would listen. From the largest church in the world, Christian church in Seoul, Korea, over 700,000 members, to the dark corners of the globe in some of the most weird jungle situations where I was talking to 40 people and kids were throwing coconuts at me on one case while I was preaching. I've just gone wherever I could and wherever there was an opportunity and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and God has kept the record. I don't know how many people have been affected, but I know some had to be because the power of the gospel is the power of life itself. And so that's what we try to do and all that we do. But in this case, we try to, this program came into being as God spoke to my heart about it very, very clearly and very strongly that we should just talk about current events in light of and through the lens of God's word, through a biblical worldview. We never for a moment said that we got all the answers to the world's problems and what, what's going on out there. We don't, but God does. And we try to point our listeners, as many of you know, to the Lord as we look at what's happening in our world. So I thank you for that. This note came, uh, I was handed to me yesterday. We so appreciate your program. I find myself always saying, well, Gary Randall said this. Well, you better be careful with that. No, I'm kidding. Well, Gary Randall said this. You're keeping us informed. Thank you so much. We trust your opinion and the news that you bring to us. We do our best to be trustworthy in what we say, but things are very convoluted out there in the world, and we try to bring clarity to it, and thank you. Here's a, I've got to share this with you. This is a note from, it's from Spokane, and this uh, 
woman and her late husband have been contributors for a long time to this program. I've never met them in person or hadn't met him or have not met her. But she says, Dear Gary, we got good news from our Lord. Our first Robin arrived today in our yard. This is a little thing, but it only happens once a year. The first Robin, spring is on the way. And I'm glad. I, 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 I used to like the winter time when I was a kid growing up in the Yakima Valley where we'd get a bunch of snow and it'd get real cold. I thought it was fun. I've kind of outgrown that now. I, I, I'm looking for that first Robin every year. And so thanks for sharing that with us and all that you, all the rest of the notes that I receive in the mail. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also go on our website, Faith and Freedom. That's A-N-D, freedom.us. There's a place there you can donate online. Many of you are doing In fact, more and more people are doing that now. And uh, it's convenient and works well. It's pretty easy. Even I can do it, so I'm sure you could as well. Thank you in advance for your support. I was looking at a, a chart this morning. Um, there's a lot there, but I, I just wanted to mention a couple of things to you. It's a chart of all the states in the United States that and their recovery from the COVID loss of jobs. We know a lot of jobs were lost through this COVID thing the last couple of years or so. And uh, the recovery uh, statistics are out. And uh, it's interesting. I'll just share a bit of it. There's a lot more here. I haven't really taken the time to look at all of it, but I looked at this, which was the first part of it. And um, the first out of the top 20 states uh, in their recovery of jobs that were lost during COVID, that's what this identifies. So the top recovery states from jobs lost during COVID are number one is Utah. They've recovered 149% of the lost jobs. Idaho is second. They've recovered 145.6% of their lost jobs. Montana is third, 120.3% of their lost jobs. Arkansas is four. Uh, they've, they've recovered 110.1%. Texas is fifth. Uh, 108.2%, and Arizona is sixth. They've recovered 107.5%. What these states share is that they're led by Republican conservative governors and administrations in the state. You can fill in the blanks on that, but if you go to the bottom of these, the bottom of this list of top 20, or 25, I guess it is. Uh, <laughs> the last three are these. Washington State with 82.4% recovery. Oregon with 82% recovery. And California with 82% recovery. They also have something in common. They have Democrat some leftist governors. Policies matter. They make a difference in our lives. What we put into 
law or into practice in our culture. It impacts our lives. Violent crime has been spiking across the country, especially in big cities. And if you look at the cities, there's a parallel between that and the economic recovery following this this pandemic, as COVID, as we've known as the Wuhan virus, actually. But if you look at the recovery of the cities, if you look at the decline uh, or of the states and look at the decline in the cities that are headed up or led by Democrats who are always progressive to the far left, except with a few, very few exceptions. And there are a couple of exceptions that come to mind, and we won't get into that today, but there are. You, you, you know them. The guy from West Virginia, he's one of them. Anyway, uh, you find that parallel. So policies matter, and policies take a people, a group of people, a culture, in a certain direction. So the same direction that is retarding financial growth or recovery, in this case, in states like Washington, Oregon, and California, the West Coast, or the Left Coast, as some people call it, rightly so, um, their policies make a difference. And in the case of decline in the cities, you will find some of the most corrupt, crime-ridden cities on this same West Coast. I'm not saying there aren't others, but I'm just talking about the West Coast at the moment. So this violent crime has been spiking across the country, especially in big cities. The impact of these far-left leaders cannot be overstated. Policies are finally breaking the proverbial camel's back of businesses as well. They're trying to survive in, let's say, downtown Seattle, for example, and other cities across the country. Over the weekend, Amazon was doing what they do. They were transporting truckloads of goods from one place to another, except this time it was their desks and their office equipment and their people, 1,800 people. They were moving them out of downtown Seattle. Now, for those of you who know Seattle, you know that there's a lot more Amazon people downtown Seattle, especially in Westlake and so on, than there than that. But this is a sign of how much this is hurting businesses in general, this out-of-control crime that is a result of the policies of the far left. Why do people like Jeff Bezos who founded Amazon, Bill Gates and others, why do they support the left, the so-called progressive left, with millions, if not billions of dollars? When their policies are destroying American business, the institutions that allowed Bezos and Gates and others to become who and what they are, rich and famous. What's happening with Amazon in Seattle? And I want to give you a few thoughts about moguls in general and policies in general from a biblical perspective. According to ABC's Seattle affiliate, Como TV4, <clears throat> they say Amazon has loaded their van and is moving roughly 1,800 employees out of downtown Seattle, out of their building at 300 Pine Street. The reason? Out of control crime. Como explained, quote, in the last few weeks, shootings, including one that killed a 15-year-old boy, have rocked the busy stretch of downtown. They note that the Seattle police, I'm quoting them, Seattle police has set up a mobile precinct along 3rd Avenue 
with officers on bikes patrolling the area. I don't think I would want to be an officer on a bike in that area or anything else for that matter, but especially on a bike. Anyway, they feel like that's the answer. But Amazon apparently, Como says, apparently hits its breaking point and didn't want to continue sending its employees into the lawless neighborhood. This is not me. This is Como talking. The news. Unfortunately, the Seattle Times says this isn't new. The Seattle Times says, quote, this crime spree that's been going on near Amazon's offices, a location that's just about three blocks from Pike Place Market, a popular area for tourists. Well, it is indeed. Since February 21st, there have been at least, the Seattle Times says, three shootings, two stabbings, a carjacking in the area. That's This is a small area we're talking about. We're not talking about the city of Seattle. We're talking about like a very small area, like a block or so. And this is three blocks from the Pike Place Market. Amazon issued this statement. I think it was on Friday or Saturday. They said, given recent incidents near 3rd Avenue and Pine Street, we're providing employees currently at that location with alternative office space elsewhere. We are hopeful that conditions will improve and that we will be able to bring back employees to this location when it's safe to do so. Well, inquiring minds would ask, when is it safe to do so? What would change? Just no more murders and hijacking? Or what are they talking about? Well, Amazon may not want to hold its breath. Seattle and other big cities, including New York, D.C., Los Angeles, Chicago, Portland, San Francisco, particularly here on the West Coast, but everywhere, they're run by far-left Democrats, so-called progressives. The story's the same. It isn't improving. It's getting worse. And time is not going to heal it. Mayor Harrell, he released a statement. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. That was not coffee, by the way. That was water. But Mayor Harrell, he's uh, released a statement. He's saying, Mayor, Mayor Harrell, he said of himself, Mayor Harrell is working every day to make downtown, downtown Seattle a safe and thriving neighborhood for residents, workers, and businesses. But, he says, quote, it will take time to reverse long-standing safety issues. Everyone, I'm sure, hopes Mayor Harrell can fix the long-standing safety issues, as he calls them, created by former mayors, I presume, Jenny Durkin, Ed Murray, and others. They're all leftists who preceded him. If Harrell expects time and, quote, additional environmental changes, as he said in his his release, to heal the problems, and nothing's going to change. Because time is not healing the far-left policies that are responsible for these results. It'll be safe to move back into downtown America when voters realize it isn't personalities, it isn't their words, that create or solve the city's problems. It's the leftist policies they refuse to vote against. They keep electing new people and new faces with the same ideologies. I know Harold tends to be a little more, I don't even want to use the word conservative, time will tell, but I know he tends to be a little more that way, but he's not. I mean, let's be honest. And that isn't going to fix anything. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic 
expecting that everything will be okay. It just isn't going to change if they keep electing people with leftist policies and leftist ideologies. Whether it's Seattle, Portland, L.A., or Timbuktu, it doesn't matter where it is. The results are going to be the same. New faces are not the solution. New policies are. But these and other similar cities cannot seem to bring themselves to elect a conservative-type mayor. So they continue changing the face of the big city leadership, but they never the character or the content of their policies and never, never absent their progressive solutions. Ironically, Bezos and Gates, and I'm just picking them out, they're world famous and born and bred, not born and bred in Seattle. Gates is, Bezos is not. But as an example, they're feeding the monster that keeps attacking them. Under the guise of criminal justice reform and the progressive policies, mayors and city councils defunded police departments while activist prosecutors allow violent criminals to plead down their charges to receive slaps on the wrist before returning to their lives of crime. I mean, that's what's going on. Amazon, for example, and its woke corporate culture, thanks to their untiring financial and other support, They elect Democrat, far-left politicians. They fund radical organizations like Black Lives Matter, which is a disaster now. It's a joke. And consequently perpetuate the chaos in the streets of Seattle or Portland or whatever city. Each time a new mayor is elected, there's a misplaced hope. Oh, this is a new person. This person will fix it. And we'll only vote for them if they have far-leftist ideology. That's the problem. And these guys, whomever they are, and this is I don't mean this personally, but I mean these people, that's what they believe. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the Bible says. And that's what these people are. They're far-left ideology. It's Marxist. Maybe they don't know it's Marxist, but anyone who takes a moment and looks into it knows they're Marxist policies and ideologies. And here they come with their little handbag of these ideas, these new ideas. We're going to have thoughts. We're going to contemplate. We're going to think our way out of this situation here, and we're going to have groups that go out, and Portland now has this group that goes out, and if someone's getting ready to murder somebody, they say, well, let's sit down and have a discussion about this, and they have a psychologist, and they have and they have, a, they have gay, and they have people of color, and they, it's all collectively appropriate to go out and, and talk to these people who are going to murder someone, and Let's just ha- let's have let's have tea and let's just talk about this. Maybe I'm missing something, but the world I know doesn't work that way. Lawlessness continues, and it worsens. Victor Davis Hanson is one of the most respected historians, even if people don't like his conservative views. One of the most respected historians in America, he works out of a foundation. He's a a fellow in a Stanford institution. But on August 27, 2020, one of America's finest historians, Victor Davis Hanson, he published an article and he was asking, where is the violence that our, what is the violence in our cities all about? The article was carried extensively under various headlines in newspapers, but it was carried all over the country. I saved a copy of that. 
Let me just summarize a couple of things that he said. He began with saying it's hard to tell what the current revolutionary violence in our major cities is all about. He noted that some simply hate Donald Trump. Some blamed COVID. Some, as then Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, romanticized it as a, this is Victor Davis Hanson saying this, she romanticized it as a summer of love. And he said this, he said, why do city governments defund police departments at the very moment vulnerable residents are most fearful for their safety? Note that they are rarely, they rarely make those demands of Antifa for new statutes, given the protesters' own heroes are often more flawed than historical figures whose statutes they deface and destroy. In an article that I wrote today on our website, faithandfreedom.us, I quoted much more of what he had to say in that article. You can check it out for yourself. But at the end of it all, he said, no matter what it's about in these revolutions or these people on the streets, as they've been doing the last couple of years, particularly in Portland, but certainly Seattle, L.A., San Francisco, elsewhere, he says, cultural revolutions are incoherent and they're nihilist. And then he goes through a history of, those kinds of things, a world history, talking about everybody from the Jacobean reign of terror to Mao Zedong to others. But he concludes with this. He said, the point of the mob is to destroy what it cannot create. Let me leave you with this today. It comes down to rebellion against God. God is the creator of all things. Man is ever trying to become as God. Clear back to the beginning with Eve and her conversation with Satan. You can become as God. There is a belief, an underlying belief of the left, that somehow, maybe it isn't even expressed, but it's somehow I can become as God. There's something in me that is able, I can do better than God. Let's move aside God's principles and God's values and God's ideals for life as we know it since I created these people. But let's move that aside because we've evolved and we have better ideas. But our ideas aren't better. They are taking us down a path to destruction. That's why we've got to get the right people in office, but that's not the answer. Ultimately, the answer is we need to hear from God. We need God's help. We need God's blessing. We need the smile of Almighty God himself. We place too much hope in politics. I'm not suggesting we should abandon, as some Christians have, our political system. Not at all. Those of you who listen to this program, you know I'm all in. Get out there. Vote. Get other people to vote. Tell them how to vote and why. We must be involved. It's our responsibility to one another and to God who has given us freedom, to whom much is given, much is required. Be involved in politics. Yes, they're dirty, and yes, they're corrupt, but that's what we have here in America, as opposed to warring in our streets, which we're on the verge of. We must have public policies that once again make the connection between our deepest biblical beliefs and the legislative agenda, and we should be deciding who can best represent us. But we've got to recover education in our country, and I talk about it a lot on this program. From the ancient Greeks to our founding fathers, moral instruction was the central task of education. 
The noble goal has been co-opted by people obsessed with discovering their true sexual orientation and gender and blah, blah, blah. But all of this is to replace God, and what we really need to do is remember that if my people who are called by my name, and then act on that. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.